Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Huh? For those of us who are gathering in our homes online, as well as those of us, uh, those of us who are in the room, welcome to First Pres this morning. I'm Fitz. I'm one of the pastors here. And you know what? You may not be aware of it, but we're on a mission at First Presbyterian Church, and the mission is pretty simple. Let's help people meet Jesus for the first time, and let's go deep with him. We're here to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what I hope we'll all experience in the next 60 minutes or so. But let's do this. Let's agree that that's a great reason for being together on this unbelievable Christmas season. I want to remind you that if you're online, it, what we'd like you to do is go to our online connect card. You can find it by going to the QR code you see posted now, but also you can go to our website and just sign up. And what that means is simple, connect. We'll help you connect in some way that you want to with us, with serving, with volunteering, with getting engaged, and we'd love to be able to connect you. So let us know if you're open for it, open to it that you are here today, and we'd be happy to help you find a new way to get a little more deeply involved. We want you also right now to share, if you can, on Facebook with your device if you're here in the room or also online. And that way people that you know that don't know about us might decide that they're going to take part in what we're doing this morning. 
online is real, in person is real. This is a very real thing we're doing right now today to celebrate the goodness of God, to connect with God and with each other. Let's discover and deepen more what it means to be people who are followers of Jesus Christ. And now it's my honor and my privilege to pray. There are hard things going on in the lives of people. There are celebrations going on in the lives of people. And I'm going to mention a few of both. So I invite you now to please pray with me. Gracious God, we pray right now for our friend and the family, Jackie Faircloth, her mom or dad or family or cousins. And Jackie continues in this Christmas season, and we're into year seven. It was six years ago in Thanksgiving that she was hurt. Help her, gracious God, to feel your presence. Help her family to feel strengthened. Thank you for all the friends that continue to care and love and pray and support John and Kathy and the Faircloth family. And we just pray continually, even as we have Jackie's favorite covers, colors marked here with these blue and pink ribbons here in our room today. We pray for our friend and sister Carol Dollar who fell and broke her wrist. Help her to heal quickly. We pray for our brother, Witty Davis, who's dealing with all kinds of complications and he's preparing to receive a heart, a heart transplant. So take care of Witty and find exactly the right heart for him. And already we give thanks for the family and the donor of that heart in the way that though that life ended, a new life is going to continue. And gracious God, we pray for Alina Callahan and her family, her mom recovering from COVID in the hospital and her dad who lost his wife to COVID. And we also, gracious God, we celebrate we celebrate new births. We celebrate marriages. We celebrate jobs that we have won. We grieve and suffer and we hurt with, with the hard parts of life, but also, gracious God, there's so much that's good. Most importantly, the one thing that never changes is Jesus Christ. And our circumstances are very real, but he is more real still. So in our music, and our being together, and our listening, and our prayer, and scripture, and all the ways that you're going to speak to us this morning. Gracious God, thank you that you have come, that you visited us, that Advent means the Messiah is with us, Emmanuel. That's why we're here today. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas, and let's get ready to worship. Please stand with me. Yeah. 
again, we got some stuff I want to make sure you're aware of this morning. The first thing is this. Next Sunday, there will be no people in the room here. It's online only. Sunday morning, December 27th at 10 o'clock. Yes, we're having worship, but it will be online only. We'll be streaming it. So don't come here. Just flick it on at home on your, te- your television or your device or whatever you, you, however you're going to watch. Be looking forward to being with you then next Sunday morning. You can see that, by the way, on Facebook and on YouTube and on our website, just to remind you of that. Christmas Eve, several things that we need to make sure we understand about that. It's this Thursday, huh? That means Christmas, and the weather is going to turn. It's going to be kind of cool. Have y'all been watching? Yeah, I'm excited about that part. Christmas Eve, there are two services in here, one at 3 o'clock on Christmas Eve, one at 5 o'clock on Christmas Eve. The way you do that, those worship services is the same as this one. You go online and you register. You're going to find that the in-room is sold out, but we're going to have a simulcast upstairs with all the same elements, with candles, with communion, with people there greeting you warmly, etc., and on those two really great screens that are up there. So if you want to come to worship on, sun, on Thursday afternoon at 3 or at 5, go online and sign up and come on down here, and that's what we're going to do but don't wait there's more about Christmas Eve you ready parking how are we going to park well we have uh, several ways that you're going to be able to park the first is the lot over here the Zach Street lot right across the way that's par- that's the first way we're going to park the second way is over here at Tyler and Marion and we have 40 spots over there and we have a jolly trolley to take you back and forth between here and there the third way is we're going to bag a bunch of meters all over the place and they'll have yellow bags on them and it'll say first pres on them and so those are ours to use that's Christmas Eve and fourth don't forget fourth uber we're going to uber you we're going to give you a voucher for uber so you can come to church and you can come to church by way of uber and so if if you're in the room right now and for those of you these cards tell you how to do that they're on the back but it's really easy if you anybody online or in the room go to the website click on christmas on the tab on the front page and all of this stuff is there good that's a lot of christmas eve stuff but we're celebrating the coming of the messiah And you know what? It's just going to be great. Christmas Eve is going to be. And, however, just to have a little fun, let's let's enjoy some fun kind of a parody having to do with parking and with Uber. I forgot one other Christmas Eve detail, which I'm looking down now and seeing that I forgot to do, and that's this. In order to make all that happen, we need some elves. We need some dream team elves. We need dream team elf parking elves. We need greeting elves. We need usher elves. So you can go back to the website and sign up to be an elf this Thursday night for what we do at 3 o'clock or for what we do at 5 o'clock. Come on, elves. We need your help. One last thing we're going to do this morning is just reminding you about generosity. So we have ways that we show you every week that you can give, and there are five of them up here. I just want you to know what's happened this year. It's the 20th of December, COVID, economy. And here's what you have done. And I say this to you as the pastor of the church and as your leader. You have taken care of First Presbyterian Church. Many of you can give and you have continued to give. There are some of us that can't give and haven't been able to. We get it, but we're okay this year. I don't presume anything about God 
other than God will be faithful. And that has been the case for 2020. We're going to pretty much balance our books on what we've taken in and what we spend. And I want you to realize that it's because you want this church to be a healthy mission in the city of Tampa. You want us to be a powerful force in the city of Tampa. And one of the ways that I know you're in is because you've been generous. All of us are doing what we can, and I want you to know the books are very close to balancing. Ten days left. Generosity just happened this week as people think about the end of the year. But what I want you to know as your fellow missionary in the city of Tampa, that it really matters that we can and we have been taking care of the finances here. So thanks be to, to God for giving us the ability. I know we all want the church to be healthy because we want the church to have an impact. We are having an impact, and we're going to be okay. All I can say about that is amen. Please stand with me. just so happens this week a Gallup poll came out and discussed unsurprisingly that mental health is is plummeting all over the country however that is not the case for those who are church attenders and it was just a reminder to me and I want to encourage you if there are those of you that are questioning whether you should enter the table or come to this table there is so much for you and so much blessing when it comes to our obedience. So I just encourage you, if you're fighting this battle, surrender, come to the table, feel the warmth and love and encouragement. Sing with me as well. We all start on the outside, the outside looking in. This is where grace begins. We were hungry, we were thirsty, with nothing left to give Oh, the shame that we were in Just when all hope seemed lost Lund opened our door for us He said, come
is my son Reed's seventh birthday. We were in the planning stages for his birthday and had finally landed on a whole night of like mysterious adventures all over the city with a component and feature of an overnight with a few kids. Obviously, it's only a few kids that can come to something like that. So we told Reed, now think carefully about your list and people that you would love to invite. Well, a couple of hours later, Fitz and I were in the front yard just working in the yard, and Reed came outside just kind of overly exuberant and a little bit pleased with himself. And he told us that he had just taken care of everything. Well, we quickly learned that by taking care of everything, he had already invited everybody to his party. But by inviting everybody to his party, we learned immediately as we sort of realized he had the Dale Mabry school directory in his hand, that he had invited the entire third grade at Dale Mabry Elementary School to his party. Well, needless to say, we had to figure out exactly who he had talked with and how we were going to accommodate this crowd because there was no way that we were going to uninvite anyone. Now, one of my friends told me that when Reed called their house, she was the one that answered the phone and that Reed sounded so organized and together that she just told him, well, yes, of course our son can come. Needless to say, I reached out to my volunteer leaders in Young Life, and I asked them, hey guys, would you be willing to help us put on a Young Life-style extravaganza at a really big park, because we're going to need it. And they all showed up big, and we had this huge deal at Al Lopez Park, and then we whispered to about five kids the overnight part. So we took care of that just fine. I mean, we must have had kids running around all over the place. Reed just couldn't help himself. That's the bottom line. Well, God can't help himself. In fact, his invitation plan is even more outrageous than Reed's because all are invited to the table. All are invited to the table from every nation from every generation, and in the Gospel of John, the table is set and the invitation is announced when John describes the birth of Jesus this way in the Gospel of John. And you can bring it up. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Another translation of this very same verse comes to us from the message. And it says, the word, meaning God, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes the one-of-a-kind glory like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. He moved into the neighborhood. Christmas means that in Jesus, God moved into the neighborhood and we've all been invited over 
to come to the table. Lighting the candles signals that it's time to come to the table. It's time for you to come. The invitation says, come as you are. That means that Christmas is God's story. It's God's party. Where John tells us that at this party, at Christmas, we are going to see the glory of Jesus. When we say we're going to see his glory, it means that we're going to see his greatness. We're going to see his splendor. We're going to see his power. And so somehow, when we see the glory or the light of Jesus, because light always gets paired with glory, when we see the light, we're going to then begin to see as if for the first time. I want you to know that happened to me. I will always always remember my first Christmas as a new follower of Jesus. He just lit me up in my heart and in my mind so that I was able to see and understand Christmas in a way that I never had before. And it came to mean so much more to me. So Jesus was born to be the light of the world. And this morning, it is at his birth that he's going to light us up so that we too might see as if for the first time elements around Christmas that perhaps we've never even noticed before. Elements like his compassion, his reconciliation, and his expansion always, always making room for more. And we know that when he did this, these are the three things that we're always going to see over and over again. Anytime God is the host of the table. The earliest followers in the new movement around Jesus Christ experienced this exact same thing. It wasn't long after Jesus had been resurrected from the dead that one of his closest friends, Peter, shared a message about Jesus to over 3,000 people and many believed and became followers of Jesus that day. And you know what the first thing they asked was? What must we do next? And that's when all the fun started, because they began to redraw the lines, the relational lines in their community, and they started inviting people in to do the most mundane and ordinary of things. They ate together. Let's watch them as they do this. We find it in Acts chapter 2. All the believers devoted themselves. I want you to understand that everything else that I'm about to say comes down to that one word, 
devoted. Everything is going to hinge on devoted. Devoted comes from a Greek word, proskotoreo, which means personal assistant or to keep close company. Now remember, these people had just experienced the resurrection of Jesus, and they are just starting to learn how to be devoted, how to keep close company with Jesus and with each other. So let's watch now as they do this, and let's learn from them. So all the believers were devoted, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over all of them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It was so much fun. These simple meals led to faith that was vibrant and contagious because they were learning to be devoted to each other and to Jesus. They were learning to keep close company with each other and with Jesus. They were devoted to being together. They were devoted to prayer together. They were devoted to worship together. And they were devoted to being generous together. Everyone wanted a seat at the table and yet it was the most low-key, common gathering of food and people. But when God is the host of the party and the host of the table, it will not only include warm hospitality and lots of fun, it's also always going to include the more uncommon yet yearned-for elements of compassion toward those in need of reconciliation between the most unlikely of people and an expansion that always makes room for more. No wonder people were joining in droves. We are drawn to these things. We yearn for these things. And yet it all started with the simplicity and the ordinariness of having a meal together. My grandmother, Darley, was my first theologian. We lived with my grandparents in Dallas, Texas, the first time that my father served a tour of duty in Vietnam for a year. So I was nine years old, and I followed my grandmother around in the kitchen like her mini-me. It was there that I found comfort and love from her. My grandmother was a devoted follower of Jesus. She kept close company 
with him. And she was a faithful member and served faithfully in the local Methodist church where she was a spiritual mother to many, both young and old. My grandmother loved to cook and host, and she would labor over each dish, then serve it with love. Feeding bodies and feeding souls was her way of serving up the hospitality of Jesus. And she not only fed us, she fed people that she just knew needed to have a seat at the table because she was serving up so much more than food, much like we see in this story in Acts. My grandmother's table was always generous, filling, joyful, and sacrificial in the way that she gave of her time and her resources to make it happen. Her table was a sign and wonder of God's spirit. And you never knew who was going to show up at my grandmother's table. On one Sunday, I found myself sitting across the table from an 11-year-old boy whose name was Bill. And during the whole meal, he ate silently with his eyes cast down as he sat next to his counselor from the Methodist home for boys who are orphans. My grandmother's table expanded that day when my grandparents adopted Bill just a few months later when he had just turned 13 or 12. And they gave him their name and created a whole new family. Well, God is expanding the family of faith. And he is using tables so that everyone can come. He is making room so that all can come and all can belong. Because we worship a boundary-breaking God who is always going to bring together people who otherwise would never share a meal together before. It's a simple work, but it is work. It's work to set a table like that. It's work to share a table in this way. But it is the work of the Spirit when eating a burger together or sharing a cup of coffee becomes the aroma of Christ. You know, it's in the DNA of First Press to act very much like the people we see in our story in Acts. Because First Press started in 1884 in a home on Marion Street, which runs right behind us, as a Sunday school class, just a few people. But they quickly outgrew that space and eventually moved the entire group to the county courthouse. And after a while, they outgrew that space and began to meet in someone's large parlor. You gotta love it. It was in the parlor where they met. But eventually they outgrew that space and began to meet in the local opera house in downtown Tampa. 
And after a while, they grew in numbers again and decided to build a wooden church on Zack Street, but located directly across from us, where Le Meridian Hotel is now. Over time, they actually rolled that building over to this location where we are, tore that down, and built the sanctuary that we're in now to accommodate all the new people. It's in our DNA history to act like the people that we see in this story in Acts. We're learning to be devoted and keeping close company with Jesus leads to a vibrancy and a contagiousness of faith that is so exciting that when Teddy Roosevelt rolled into Tampa, arriving here with his Rough Riders in order to fight in the Spanish-American War, our founding First Pres members, in compassion, reached out to them with food, supplies, and the love of Jesus, so much so that 537 of them came to know Jesus for the first time. Are you that excited about your faith? So much so that you can't help yourself to reach out and to include and to invite in people? Because God is expanding the table. He's expanding the family of faith. And he's going to use your tables to make room for more so that everyone knows that they belong. But this is a direct an explicit challenge for our faith. Because our natural inclination is to do this with people that we already know and love and naturally hang out with. And God celebrates that too. He does. But as I said before, we worship a boundary-breaking God who is always going to bring people to the table that we've never had there before. This is work. It's work to set this kind of table. It's work to share this kind of table. But when we begin inviting people in to sit with us, people that otherwise we would never have sat with before, our tables become the aroma of Christ. So I want you to do two things. I want you to enjoy this fantastic Christmas feast that is going to be happening over the next few days. Because it is the table of Jesus where you will be sitting. And he is your host. So fun. But there's a second thing that I want you to do. I want you to grab the invitation that I put in the pew cards right in front of you. They're all over the room. And for those of you in the very front, you can grab one behind you. And I want you to wave it at me so that I know you have one. So you need to look. Some of you aren't waving yet, so I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm watching. Great. You have one. But this isn't just for your spouse. Don't hand it to your wife and go, you take care of this. So men, women, let me see those hands again. I'm looking for both of you to have one. Yep. Some of you are slower than others. That's all right. Now we got gotcha. you. 
And I know we're sharing this with those of you on Facebook, but look what it says. It's an invitation. Who? You and your guest. What? The greatest banquet you'll ever attend, even if it's a good old-fashioned hamburger. When? As soon as possible. Where? A table anywhere that is socially distanced and safe. Don't tell me you can't do this. Because I see you at restaurants and outdoor cafes, and I know you're cooking out in the backyard with friends. So maybe there's room for one more, you know? Now look at the RSVP. Tell God who you're going to invite. Notice the passage I put there. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, making room for more. Because God has put us in charge of expanding the table. And y'all, that's when the fun begins. Think about it. If 537 Rough Riders can come to know Jesus through a few sweet people at First Pres reaching out to them with the love of Jesus and food and welcoming them in, good grief, what could happen with someone who experiences Jesus because you're serving up so much more than a burger. You're serving up something for their soul. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we need more than food. You've told us clearly that we need food for our souls. And Lord, thank you for giving us the privilege that we get to serve that up too. It's never just a meal. It's intentional. Like my grandmother who understood that there were people that always needed to be at the table. And she simply expanded her table and let me see what happens when we do that. And I saw a young man that did not know you come into a family and begin a relationship with you. And he's my uncle, my Uncle Bill. Thank you, God, for Bill and every person that you want us to invite to our tables. People that are beyond our friend group, but people that we care about. People that may not know that they are loved by you. That's who we want to invite people that need to be at the table, Lord. Oh, Father, what a privilege. Increase our effort. You certainly exploded with something amazing, almost unimaginable, with the Rough Riders. What could happen now? What could happen with us? Oh, Lord, thank you that you've given us this unbelievable privilege. And we pray that at our undistracted tables, where we're looking people in the eye and we're loving them and we're caring for them, that they might find that not only did they have fun, not only were they warmly welcomed, not only did they enjoy a great meal, but Lord Jesus, that they experienced you because you are the host of every single one of our tables and we are your expansion plan. Thank you, Jesus.
In your name we pray. Amen. And as we sing our last song together, let this be your song that gets you fired up and thinking about who you're going to include that you don't normally hang out with, that person you care about who may not know that they are loved by God. Would you give it thought and would you let this be your reminder to see it through? Amen.